0: Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald-Times in Bloomington, and today our topic is recycling. With me in the studio is Scott Morgan, who's the operations director for the Monroe County Solid Waste Management District. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Scott, welcome.
1: Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be
0: here. It's nice nice to have you here. This is always a very popular topic. Um, Mary Catherine couldn't make it today, and she extends her... uh, her regrets, she would have liked to have been here. This is, this is one of her favorite shows too. This gardening is her favorite and she likes recycling a, a whole lot as well. She likes them all but recycling is great because we get a lot of callers who usually join us on the program and, and we do like that. So let's uh, start off um, before we, we start getting a, a whole lot of callers and, and let me just ask you about the general state of recycling uh, here in Monroe County and and perhaps in the rest of the state as you know it.
1: I would say that Monroe County is in a very fortunate situation where we are one of the state leaders when it comes to recycling. There's a lot of uh, environmental consciousness in Monroe County, the city of Bloomington, Indiana University. So when a lot of different programs in the state of Indiana start looking at recycling, one of the very first ones they look at is that of Monroe County. So I would like to think that we are one of the leaders when it comes to recycling in the state of Indiana. And what
0: kind of things do uh, other people come to you and and ask about?
1: They're looking at uh, general program ideas such as uh, the number of customers we serve, uh, the volumes of material that we deal with, the types of material, the types of facilities that are available for recycling here in Monroe County. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of different uh, folks looking at us, including even out-of-state uh, so we do have that reputation throughout the Midwest and, in some cases, throughout the country where folks are really looking at us for guidance to establish some of their own programs. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the main recycling center, which is south of town. And I know that you know, I've been there on numerous occasions and, and there are always nice, helpful people there to, to help us uh, do what we need to do. But what all is available down there?
1: We take most of what I would call the traditional materials, the cardboard, the white office paper, mixed paper, which would include colored paper and a lot of those junk mail items that you receive in the mail. Uh, We take green, brown, and clear glass, newspaper, aluminum cans, steel cans, Um, all those types of traditional materials that uh, we all think about when we think of recycling. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, there are other things that you do as well down there.
1: Yes, we do have a a reuse center. We have a reuse sidewalk where if you have something that's still in reusable condition, you can drop it off on our sidewalk free of charge. If you're looking for something in particular or see something that you can use, you may take it free of charge. And that, that idea is designed so that we keep more things out of the landfill. One of the other things that we have we're very proud of down at that same location that you referenced was our hazardous materials facility. We are fortunate to have uh, an environmentally responsible manager to deal with a lot of the paints and, and gasoline and all those things that if put into a landfill would cause a lot of environmental problems. We also have uh, through that same household hazardous waste program, we have the ability to recycle used motor oil which is also a very bad thing to pour down your drain, the storm drains, you know, pour in the ground, things like that. We can also accept uh, used oil filters, antifreeze, household batteries. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of different recycling options for a variety of materials down there. Um, I know
0: that I had a uh, – uh, my wife and I had a, a cat for eight years that had diabetes and we recycled our used syringes down at your center.
1: Yeah, uh, sharps and pharmaceuticals are probably one of the hottest topics on a national level right now, and I'm very proud to say that our program has been accepting sharps since 1997, and we've been dealing with pharmaceuticals now for many years, so we have been one of those programs that, again, throughout the state and even the country, they've been looking at us and saying, hey, how are you doing this? What are you doing and what makes you so successful
0: now right before we went on the air our engineer mike Pashkash asked about cell phones
1: yeah we have the ability to accept uh, cell phones for recycling Uh, we can accept those like we can many other electronic devices Uh, depending on the size and the weight there could be a a recycling fee for those the fees range in uh, anywhere from six dollars to twenty one dollars depending on the size but for many of those items that are small in nature such as a cell phone um, things of that nature, there would be no cost for those, but they will, in fact, be recycled. Mm-hmm. One of the things we try to encourage folks to do is before it gets to the recycling stage, if it is still useful, such as a, f- a cell phone as an example, would be to give it to one of the local not-for-profit organizations so they can use it. Um, an example of that would be like Middleway House. You know, They would greatly benefit, perhaps, from the use of some cell phones for some of their programs. And thus, it would save them money and save us some of the recycling money also. Mm
0: -hmm. All right. We have an email. Actually, we have two emails that came in. One of them, I I will say on the air in case Nick is listening, that it it pertains to an editorial that was in the Herald Times, which we're not going to answer on the air, but I will email him uh, an answer directly. Uh, But this one actually pertains to the topic at hand. It says, The city, the county, local businesses, and IU especially, are prodigious consumers of computers and oftentimes advocate Uh, advocate of computer consumption. But as with PCB-contaminated capacitors or radioactive waste, there isn't yet any safe way to dispose of old computers and computer parts. Most end up in dumps leaking toxic metals into the environment, especially in third world countries whose populations aren't powerful enough to fight this toxic waste imperialism. Is there any ethical path for our community to follow with respect to computer? Computer consumption, short of a moratorium on computer use until a safe method of recycling has been discovered? This is a big question.
1: Yeah, not one without, without a really simple answer. Um, I can't really speak to the use of computers as such, but I can talk about the recycling and disposal of computers. The district has a, an electronics recycling program, which includes all components of computers, monitors, CPUs, keyboards, mice, printers, fax machines, the whole works. And we have the ability to um, utilize a company in Winnemac, Indiana. We have screened this company. We have audited this company. So we are familiar with their practices, what they do with the materials, and where they go. So we have done our homework, and we, we know exactly what's happening so that the materials that people think are getting recycled don't actually end up overseas and we are the cause of that. Where, where are they going? What happens? The materials the electronic devices are actually demanufactured then they 'll be sent off to actual processors for the individual components, such as the plastic, the metal, some of the circuit board components, uh, the leaded glass, things like that so there 's not a single location to process those materials. Those are actually specialty locations that deal with each of the components.
0: It's good to hear. That's a little short of a, a, a moratorium on computer use in Bloomington, which I doubt that we're going to be having anytime soon. So I'm glad there is uh, at least something being done. Yes. All right, good. Our phone number again, eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside the Bloomington calling area. And you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Scott Morgan is our guest. Scott's the operations director of the Monroe County Solid Waste Management District. So I hope you'll call with all, all of your recycling questions. Questions. Um, I wanted to ask about the, you know, the economy is sort of, uh, let's say, in a in a bit of a mess right now. I think there are a lot of economic issues that are going on. One is the high price of fuel, and another is just you know consumers aren't perhaps spending as much as they did. All those kind of issues. How does that relate to the recycling efforts?
1: Well, fuel is certainly one of the biggest components that that tri- contribute to the cost of collection when it comes to recycling. Uh, it makes it more expensive for the resident to bring materials to us if they d- they don 't have curbside recycling it makes it more expo- expensive for the contractors to haul the materials uh, because their over the road fuel costs have obviously gone up um, so fuel is definitely a big a big factor and like you say, I think short term I think people are spending less dollars and uh that has an impact on us also. It costs more money to get the recycled materials to the processors. So it's all a, a big uh, jumbled situation, if you will, due to fuel. That's one of the underlying components mm-hmm. when it comes to recycling.
0: And what's that mean in terms of, of your budget? Can you sort of talk about what your – how your budget is, is set out and, and you know, the, the, uh, the whole issue of, of you know, when you have to take things someplace, it does cost a lot more money. I mean, how does that fuel thing play into your budget?
1: We have dedicated fuel lines for each of the departments, recycling included, and obviously it costs more for us to go service some of our customers and bring the material back. It costs more, as I mentioned, to ship the materials to other locations. Uh, So many of the vendors now want to put on the fuel surcharge, which obviously has an impact on us as well. So um, our budget stays constant. Fuel costs go up, so we're having to account for those fuel costs at the expense of something else. Mm-hmm.
0: And what, where does your money come from?
1: We are funded from a variety of sources. Uh, the main one is property taxes. Everyone's familiar with uh, the fact that we have a property tax rate, so we are another government entity that charges a property tax rate. We are um, funded from uh, grants from the Indiana Department of Environmental Management. We uh, – have fees for service. So our Green Business Network has membership fees, which help offset some of our costs. And uh, the electronics, for instance, we charge that $6 to $21. So that helps offset our electronics recycling costs. So we have a variety of, of funding mechanisms. Of course, none of those are sufficient enough. We'd like to be able to do more. But I would like to think that we are certainly maximizing the dollars that we have to provide the best service to Monroe County. Mm-hmm.
0: And what, what about the property tax changes in the state? What kind of an impact will that have on you?
1: It's early to tell yet. Uh, the few words that I have heard relative to our particular district, we're anticipating a minimal uh, impact we're hoping for. Mm-hmm. But only time will tell. We're starting to get into the budget process for 2009. So by the end of the summer, I think we'll have a much better feel for what that really means for 09 budget. Mm-hmm
0: okay 855 or send your email to noon at indiana.edu if you want to talk with uh, Scott Morgan, the operations director from the Monroe County Solid Waste Management District. Uh, let's talk a little bit about markets for different recycled materials. Um, what's hot right now? What are people actually spending money to, to get?
1: Uh, the cardboard is, is at an all-time high. Cardboard is a very attractive commodity right now. Obviously, scrap steel, uh, steel markets are off the charts, it seems like. So that's another very attractive commodity. Unfortunately, with the local scrapyards that we have here locally in town, a lot of people are going more direct to them versus bringing us the scrap steel. So we don't really get to see a whole lot of that increased value in the scrap steel mm-hmm. as much as we would like to.
0: So what, what, what are, uh, what, what's cardboard used for in recycling?
1: Well, what they'll do in cardboard is take it to a paper shredder, to a place that, that uh, processes the cardboard, and they can make new cardboard out of it and things like that. Just like with paper, take a virgin piece of paper, you can recycle it, and then you've got recycled content paper. So cardboard has some of the same properties.
0: Okay. We have a, uh, I've got several other questions I want to ask you about that, but we have Alice on the phone, and Alice is from your recycling center. So Alice, go ahead.
2: Hi. Well, I'm not from the recycling center. Oh, you're act, I'm just a Bloomington resident. Oh, you're just there. Who <laughs> happened to be there dropping oh. <laughs> off some paint and batteries and various disgusting hazardous materials.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And I have a question. Okay. Um, and my question is, um, I just paid, um, I think, eight bucks, two bucks per can of what was referred to as bad latex paint. Um, But I'm curious about people who can't afford, um, you know, for whom that's prohibitive. And I think one of the things, one of the concerns I have is that people would, um, even if they're well-intentioned, they get there and, you know, they've got the stuff and they start finding out that some of it they have to pay to drop off. Um, And they might turn around and go do something, you know, bad with it.
0: (laughs) Excellent question, Alice.
1: Alice, the, the problem you've described is one we've been dealing with for many, many years, and it's balancing out the financial component versus the environmental component. And we're always continuing to weigh our prices and our costs relative to what the consumer can afford to pay. And I'm happy to say in Monroe County we've been very fortunate that we see very little illegal dumping as a result of us having to charge money. We only charge money simply because our budget requires us to do so because we don't have enough money to offset or subsidize completely all of the residential costs associated with, let's say, the latex paint, which you referenced. Sure.
0: Well, let's
2: say that somebody comes in and they, I mean, is there a way they can show that they simply can't afford to? And, I mean, what other options would they have? For example, when I just came in and, and everybody was very pleasant, so this is not a, in any, by any means a complaint, but I did have to sort of press, like, what, what it meant to, he said, I can't take this, I can't take this. And I said, well, then what am I supposed to do with it? And he made some good suggestions. He said, you can take it home and open the lid and wait for it to dry out. And I said, well, that's why I've got the lids off now. It's been taking forever, and I'm just sick of it and want to get rid of it. And he said, "Well, it's going to cost you two dollars a can." And these were little tiny cans, little quart, you know, little quart type cans, not anything big. And I went ahead and you know and paid it. But I just I I thought, boy, um, if I were in other circumstances, more indigent, <laughs> um, that's a lot to pay for um, dropping things off. And I'm just wondering if there's a way to subsidize, you know, people. I mean, what you say to someone who who can't afford
0: to?
1: We do subsidize a lot of the HHW program, hello? as it is already. And, uh, we hello? S- yeah, we're here. We're here. So we hey, actually,
0: oh, Alice can't hear us.
1: So we actually go through and um, try to work with the customer the best we can and offer them suggestions, such as drying out the paint. It does take more time, but it's also a, a cheaper uh, disposal option on the latex paint. And the fact that latex paint is really considered non-hazardous anymore, rather than completely stop taking it completely, we have said, we'll go ahead and take it. But there is a fee involved with it because it costs so much money to manage as a non-hazardous waste.
0: Well, I'm sorry we lost Alice on on the phone line, but it's uh, it's a really good question and a really good issue. And and Bloomington is a place where people often step up and say, well, we want to help out in some way. So, uh, you know, maybe somebody will create some kind of a... Uh, you know, a a safety net fund or something for people that can't pay that you'd be able to dip into. Who knows?
1: And I will say on, on the other side of the whole equation, we have people come in to the hazardous materials facility. They'll bring their materials in. They'll drop them off. And one of the last things they'll say is, now, how much do I owe? They didn't care about the cost when they came because they thought they were doing the right thing. And depending on what they bring, chances are there may be no cost whatsoever. So, you know, it's on both sides of the financial equation, but the bottom line is the environmental impact that we're making.
0: Yep, it's a it's an interesting issue. I mean, I think I certainly sympathize with what Alice said. You don't want people who who, you know, if they have five cans of paint and they want to just they want to get rid of them, but 10 bucks means a huge amount to them. You don't want them to throw it in, uh, you know, put it in landfill or something. So, all right. Well, good question by Alice. eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington, eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight 285 9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. And you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. I wanted to continue on the, uh, the issue of markets. You talked about cardboard and you talked about steel. What about other common household things like aluminum cans, glass, uh, paper, newsprint, those kinds of things?
1: The, the fiber material, the paper, the newsprint, the market still remain very good for those. Uh, aluminum has been a traditionally good uh, market for years and years and years. So no problem with the, the market for aluminum cans and aluminum in general. Uh, glass is a whole different critter. There's, it's hard to find markets for glass locally. So we're having to have our materials go quite a ways for processing on the glass. Thus, that adds additional costs. Um, so glass is the big problem. You know, one of the things we're looking at continuously is to try to identify more local markets for glass and more local options for glass. And we're still continuing to evaluate that. And if something materializes, we're certainly going to take a good look at it and try to utilize it more at the local level. Mm
0: -hmm. And plastics always comes up. Um, We'll get a question about this, I'm sure, before the end of the show, uh, And if we don't, I'll ask it, you know, which kinds of plastics do you take? And do people have to separate them out into different different kinds of things?
1: I'm surprised it took this long to get to the plastics (laughs) question, actually. Uh, The Monroe County Solid Waste District only accepts plastics one and two. Um, And describe what those are. Those are your typical soda bottles, detergent bottles, uh, milk jugs, those types of things. And they have to be in the form of a bottle. It can't just be anything that says one or two on it. So we are somewhat limited in what we accept. It's a little bit different than the city of Bloomington who accepts plastics one through seven. Um, And I know the question is going to eventually come up as to why. Mm -hmm. So I'll go ahead and deal with that now if I may. Um, Our materials are sent down to Hoosier Disposal here in Bloomington, Indiana. And they're able to process and bail those materials and then ship them off to an actual processor where the city of Bloomington's materials one through seven uh, end up going down to Hoosier Disposal, then transferred to another facility in Indianapolis. There's different markets, different ways they have to be dealt with. So we're a little bit different than how we accept things and how they're processed here at the local level. Mm
0: -hmm. So one through seven would include things like yogurt containers and what other kinds of things?
1: There's a variety of different chemistries associated with plastics, so a lot of different cups and bowls and containers, um, a lot of those food packaging items, uh-huh. things like that. Okay.
0: Oh, all right. We have a phone call. It's Wayne on the phone. Wayne?
1: Hi. I have two questions okay. uh, about television
3: sets. Right. Uh, in next February, uh, over-the-air analog television signals will be stopped, and all television signals will become digital. And I suspect there will be a whole lot of television sets that will be, um, how shall we say... Uh, available for recycling. (laughs) Right. And and, and I understand that's that's one question. You uh, you have to charge money in order to recycle those sets?
1: Yes, we do. Um, Unlike some of the traditional materials, it costs us quite a bit of money to make sure that these electronic devices are, in fact, recycled. Uh, Recycling is something that is free of charge to the residents, but it's not free. There are a lot of costs associated with uh, recycling in general, electronics in particular. And back kind of to your first part of your question, sir, we have had a program now for so many years here in Bloomington on the electronics recycling televisions in particular that I think we're in a pretty good position relative to many other counties and states because we've already gotten a lot of those older TVs from the old RCA plant and things like that already out of the waste stream. And the fact that so many of your television viewing signals are now coming from cable and satellite. Um, I think we're going to be in pretty good shape at the local level. Some other counties and communities, though, I'm really worried for them because they're going to end up with a lot of obsolete TVs because there was nothing they could do with those units up until now if there is anything now in their local areas.
3: Well, I I guess it's the circuit board. I can can understand how it would be difficult to... um to separate the, the various materials uh, in uh, in circuit boards and, and, and things like that that uh, the televisions are made out of but i understand that televisions and other electronic equipment have some precious metals or semi-precious metals involved in them don't they is that right
1: you are correct sir they do
3: C- can you can you make some money by by uh, by retrieving those precious metals
1: you can make they do generate revenue uh... from the precious metals however it's very labor intensive to recover the precious metals so the revenue generated from the pres- precious metals is offset by your labor cost to extract them from your circuit boards
3: i see mm-hmm. yeah, could, could you could you describe what what kind of a I, I was trying to conceive what kind of a process would you use to get uh, components out of a circuit board and make any use of them it,
1: I've actually seen it done. It is just a simple function of labor, you know, Uh demanufacturing a television set using a drill, screwdrivers, hammers. I mean, it's literally a hands-on demanufacturing process, and you have to do it in such a way that your circuit board remains intact so that you can pull off those precious metal items from there. Once you have enough of your precious metals, then you'll send them off to be recovered. But as I say, they're sometimes offset by all the labor costs associated with pulling out the special
3: yeah that that, that does sound very very labor intensive it'd cost a lot of money sounds yeah. like it would Yes it does. Okay well thank thank you very much. All thank right, you. All right
0: Wayne thanks a lot that was a great question by Wayne and and I guess I'd follow up on that. So are you anticipating you know next February 17th when everything goes digital we know there'll be converter boxes so some of those analog TVs will work but I would assume that there's going to be sort of a a rush to digital purchasing and more of those analog TVs are going to be available
1: my personal feeling is giving the environmental consciousness of, of Monroe County and the education of a lot of our residents, I don't think we're going to have that big of a problem at the local level. Hopefully I'm correct and not wrong on this. So we're kind of planning as if it's going to be a little bit of business as usual. I'm sure we'll see a spike when this happens, but I don't think it's going to be to the point where we're overwhelmed. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, we've hit uh, break time. Our guest again today is Scott Morgan from the Monroe County Solid Waste Management District. He's the operations director. If you have questions or comments, please phone us 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 or send your email to noon at indiana.edu. We're talking about recycling. We'll be right back.
4: www.southdunnstreet.info WFIU thanks all who support public radio. Next time you're visiting one of our business supporters, please let them know that you appreciate their support of WFIU. Perhaps you're involved in decision-making at a business or profession in the WFIU listening area. If you'd like your message to reach WFIU listeners, you can find out more about benefits of underwriting, with a call to 1-800-662-3311 or a visit to our website at wfiu.org.
0: Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times in Bloomington, along with Scott Morgan today. Scott is from the Monroe County Solid Waste Management District. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area, or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. We do have an email to go to, and actually we just answered this question, so we'll review Um, Lisa asks, uh, I always wondered why the city accepted different plastic numbers than the Monroe County County Solid Waste District. So do you want to just go over that again very quickly?
1: Yeah, it's the way that they're basically handled from um, Hoosier Disposal. Uh, The city and county have different financial contracts with Hoosier Disposal. So there's a little bit of different on the financial side and also the way they're handled at the local level. So... There is a difference, and uh, we're always exploring the possibility of it going to one through seven, but currently we only accept one and twos.
0: All right. Thanks for that uh, recap. We have Paul on the phone, and then we have Mary after that. So let's go to Paul first. Paul? Yes. Hello? Hi, Paul.
1: Hi. Um, Yeah, kind of uh, following up on that question, um, if you're out of the county, I'm only a couple miles, like, into Brown County, um, and it's nice to be able to take advantage of the... um, Monroe County solid waste for my garbage and for some of my recyclables. Um, do you know if uh, Bloomington, the city, will accept uh, out of county, um, you know, like for the two through the
3: three through seven plastics, for example?
0: Um, I, I don't know that we have the answer to that. Now, Scott, the city basically is taking these in curbside recycling, correct?
1: Yes, the city's collection program is curbside. And if they were to do anything outside of that, you'd want to contact them. However, I am not aware of them doing anything outside of their curbside collection yeah, program.
0: so you'd have to have somebody who lived in the city and was on one of their curbside routes that would, you know, let you put your recycling out in front of their in front of their their house. I guess.
1: Okay. Yeah, because I it just I would encourage the county obviously to uh, try and uh, accommodate uh, three through seven. It just seems like more and more people are really conscientious about recycling and uh, the more that we can recycle the better so certainly would encourage the county to look into that for our benefit right it is something that i have recently looked at and taken to my board of directors uh it's just not quite feasible for us at this point for a variety of reasons the least of which is financial reasons Mm
0: -hmm. all right paul thanks a lot for the call Thank you. All right, eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight, and noon at Indiana. Edu. Mary is on the line. Mary, hello. Hello, Mary.
2: Um, my question is about the newspapers that we recycle. The city gives us a bin that has no lid, and yet I've been told by the recycle people that they will not take wet papers; that it ruins the whole lot. Yet, every week when the rain comes, they take the wet papers, I see.
0: So what about wet papers, Scott?
1: I can't speak to who the recycling people are you're talking about. we in the city. Okay. I will say for the Solid Waste District, at our main location, our newspaper compactor where you put your newspaper in is not covered. Um, it is covered once you push the newspapers into the receiver box, But our paper does get wet, and we are not aware of any problems associated with that. Obviously, dry paper is easier to handle. It weighs less, thus cutting down on our transportation costs. Uh, But I think with all curbside collection programs and most collection programs, sometimes when your material gets wet, that's just a part of the collection program itself.
2: Okay. So So that person gave me wrong information when I called the Recycle Center. They said it just ruined the whole lot and they couldn't take it but you're saying it's okay
1: i'm saying dry is better but it's a necessary evil when it comes to collecting newspapers sometimes they get wet it's just a fact of life unfortunately
2: well i do wish the city would give us a covered container that would sure help
1: yeah
0: well scott can't help you with that but you could call the city i'm sure thank you all right thanks a lot mary all right we have another phone call and it's alec alec is next we could well let's let's wait uh we have alex
1: yeah alex hello Alexander. scott hello i'd like to thank you for the advice that you gave uh, that was beneficial for orange county setting up their operation but i've got a question about
4: items that are not accepted uh orange county's having a talks away day tomorrow there are a number of items they're not going to accept uh asbestos ammunition fireworks
1: that sort of thing could you Offer some possibilities for people to properly
4: dispose of those items that the uh, that a recycling program does not accept?
1: Sure. Uh, one of the things that we do is re-refer anything that's explosive in nature to uh, the local law enforcement community. They have a tendency to use it for training purposes, and uh, so we've worked well with them over the years when we get items like that. The asbestos, I believe you mentioned, uh, you'd want to make sure that You could work with one of your local landfills, which I know down in Orange County you don't have that many, but maybe one of your waste haulers utilizes a landfill that has the capability of of accepting the asbestos perhaps as a special waste or in some other manner. So I think you should probably contact your local or even regional final disposal facilities to see if that's something they could accept. Thanks, Scott. You're very welcome, sir.
0: All right, Alec. Thanks a lot for that. And we'll go quickly to Betty? Betty? Hello, Betty. Hello. Go ahead.
2: Um, my question in regards to pharmaceuticals. Could we? Could you go over the rules on how to take pharmaceuticals and what is included in pharmaceuticals?
1: Sure, I'd be happy to. The Monroe County Solid Waste District has a pharmaceutical collection program. We can accept any non DEA controlled substance. What is Uh, It's a set of uh, pharmaceuticals that the uh, DEA deems um, hazardous or more narcotic, things like that, such as your heavy pain medications. Some of your sleeping pills are DEA-controlled substances. And a lot of times when you receive that prescription, your pharmacist will know for sure if that's a controlled substance or not. We are familiar with most of those. So what's going to happen is once you visit our facility, we're going to be able to screen those materials and say, yes, we can take this or no, we can't. And that comes from the federal guidelines, which allows us to only take certain things uh, when it comes to pharmaceuticals. Once they arrive at our facility, we are going to follow all the the uh, EPA and and Department of Transportation regulations, and we're going to ship those over to an incinerator in Ohio. So those are going to be burned instead of being put into a landfill. So we do We do ask the public to, at the very least, leave the pharmaceuticals in their original container or packaging. You're more than welcome to scratch out your name or any personal information, but at the very least leave the name of the pharmaceutical on there, which helps us better manage those materials.
0: Now, Betty, the uh, DEA is the, the Drug Enforcement Agency, and so what Scott's saying is there are some drugs like... You know, my, my mother was on heavy pain medication, OxyContin, which is a street right. drug that, you know, that the DEA says we don't, you know, we wouldn't want you to recycle that because I, I assume you wouldn't, it'd be hard to make sure to keep it uh, controlled. Correct. Right. All right. So,
2: um, now, if, they, if it hasn't expired, is there a way to recycle and maybe give this to is there a place like the volunteer medicine people? Will they use some of these
0: things? Now, that's a good question, and you probably need to call the volunteers and medicine clinic to ask about that.
1: Yeah, there are guidelines that will say right on your prescription that it's illegal to transfer uh, this medicine to someone that is uh, not named on the on the label, essentially. They say it a little more eloquently than I just did, but that's the gist of it. So there are federal guidelines that prohibit the transfer of prescription medications. There are some programs in the country that will actually reuse or redistribute unused medications. Uh, and that's been a topic of discussion at the national level now for several years, obviously. Locally, though, it's not something we have really got involved with. We're only dealing primarily with the disposal of them for environmental purposes.
2: I- So now, will there be another one where you can just take it to the
1: firehouse? That would be in the fall. I'm sure we'll have another one again this year. We do offer uh, pharmaceutical collections six days a week at our main facility down at 3400 South Walnut Street, but we are not permitted to take the controlled substances throughout the year. Only when a member of law enforcement is present can those be collected. I see. All right. Thank you
0: very All right. much. All right, Betty. Thanks a lot for the call. Our uh, Phone numbers again, 855 or 877-285-9348. Or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. We have an email that came in, and I, we're not going to be able to answer this first one, but I'll just uh, acknowledge it. It has to do with – well, it's a young professional who lives in an old house near 2nd Street, and that house has been converted into five one-bedroom apartments. She's been told the city won't pick up recycling from the house that has that many residents. She wants to know why, so she'll have to call the city. To, do you happen to know a city number? You deal with them a lot, I would assume.
1: I'm not sure. I would probably recommend that you contact perhaps your city council person.
0: Uh huh. Okay. Contacting – if you know your city council person, that would be a good way to do it. Um, so – you know that 's a that 's a curiosity, but this emailer also gives us some interesting good information uh, for Alice, who called earlier. She says that uh, she was recently this person was recently at the Habitat for Humanity Restore on Eleventh Street and noticed that they resell partially used cans of paint and varnish, so it 's another way to reuse some of that material that yeah what hey, is that that okay absolutely, <laughs> and
1: that is a facility that we refer some of our customers to also so we love what they do. We're in full support of their efforts. Right.
0: Okay. Phone numbers, 855-0811. We have a, a, a brief lull. It looks like Adam's already on the phone with somebody else. But 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at Edu. And Kimberly is on the line. Kimberly?
2: Uh, yes. I have a it, – it's kind of a recycling question, but it's more of like a rec- reclaimed lumber question. Uh, My husband and I, we have looked into um, how, like California, they will take some of the area, the urban trees that are cut down, and they'll actually resaw them into usable lumber for building and such. Has Monroe uh, County ever thought to use that sort of thing? I know right now they primarily just mulch everything.
1: Uh, The Solid Waste District has not been involved in any activity like that. Really haven't discussed much along those lines, so I can't really say a whole lot about that, unfortunately. Probably
0: probably your best place to uh, find out would be to call uh, the Board of Public Works, City of Bloomington.
1: Yeah, at least a place to start. Yep. Okay, thanks. Thank you.
0: Bye-bye. And we're back on the phones with Joe. Joe?
1: Hello. Uh, I have another question uh, pertaining to the uh, pharmaceutical uh, disposal and incineration. I was wondering uh, if the uh, incinerated pharmaceuticals are – Uh, are disposed of in their containers or if the pharmaceuticals are dumped out and then the, uh, the plastic containers are recycled following
0: that point.
1: Once we put all of our containers down into a drum, however we receive it, we put it down into a drum, the drum and all of its contents are actually incinerated. And that is done for several different reasons, the least of which is it protects all of your personal information So there's no concern with your bottle and your name and your prescription getting out there for anyone else to see or use. So everything is done. Um, Recycling is important, but when you're dealing with hazardous materials, it's a little bit different uh, animal, if you will. So once we receive it into a drum, into the incinerator, that way as few people as possible have access to your information or the material. Would it, would it be possible to, uh, to uh, place the pharmaceuticals into a plastic bag and then just drop them off at your facility? We prefer not to because it's so hard for us to identify what types of medications there are. Um, also, I don't recall which type of plastic uh, those pill bottles are, so I'm not even sure if those could be recycled through our program or even the City of Bloomington's program. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thank you.
0: All right, Joe. Thanks a lot for the call. Our next caller is Steve. Steve. Oh, no. uh, Hello, Steve. Nothing. That's right. Hey, Steve. Hello? You're on the air, Steve. Yeah. Oh, well, I Steve uh, wanted to be on the air, but I guess we're going to have to wait on him. Um, I'm, I want to ask about something you mentioned earlier. The Green Business Network. Did you talk about that?
1: Sure. Uh, the Green Business Network is a program established by the Monroe County Solid Waste District. And what that allows us to do is go out and pick up recycling from businesses, uh, not-for-profit organizations, uh, groups like that. And they actually pay us an annual fee, which allows them to be picked up either once a month, twice a month, or every – or four times a month, I should say, four times a month. And uh, we have signed agreements with them. We know what their materials are. They know when we're coming Um, So that has another cost for us that we talked about earlier in the show, additional fuel costs cut down the revenue generated from picking up those recyclable materials. Approximately 60 businesses are in the Green Business Network right now for 2008, and we're able to service those businesses using uh, two different box trucks. So we're out on the road four or five days a week servicing those businesses. We do have a waiting list, I believe, so we've got more folks that want in. It's just our, our resources are limited. Um, well, we only got so many trucks, so many drivers at this point, so there's been a lot of interest. We're looking at different ways to improve the program, but there's been a lot of interest, and it's something we're very proud of, and it's been going on now for many years. Now, you talk
0: about costs. Uh, you've talked about costs a lot, which is obviously a big issue with you. Do you use volunteers?
1: We do use volunteers somewhat. Um, we are fortunate to have Uh, some community correction folks help us out on occasion. Other times we'll have more traditional volunteers come down and and really want to volunteer. We'll even have some student volunteers or some uh, student interns. So we have a variety of of folks who are wanting to get involved, particularly uh, at the recycling center.
0: Okay. Uh, let's go to an email, and it, it's, it refers to the wet newspapers again. Um, this emailer writes that I, was, I just got the end of the question about wet newspaper recycling. I have about 12 bags of newspapers that I haven't put out as it has rained for the last past five, six collection days. Are you telling me that these can be safely recycled? I was told, like the caller, that wet papers were no longer recyclable.
1: Obviously, the dry paper is the preferred, most definitely. So, if you're waiting, that's a great thing, and that's greatly appreciated. Um, it's pretty hard to separate an entire load that has some wet material, some dry. So, obviously, dry is the preferred method. You know, I'd have to check with my uh, with Hoosier disposal to ensure for sure that they want absolutely no wet paper whatsoever. But to my knowledge, we have not been given that indication.
0: Yeah, and what you said before, it sounds like the people that bring papers to your recycling center and put them, put them out there, those papers are getting wet. Right?
1: They're getting wet, but it's very short term. We try to keep those pushed in, uh, but the reality of it is it's not a completely 100% dry process.
0: Okay, let's go to Chad on the phone. Chad? Hi. Uh, I was
3: wondering about how do you guys look at, uh, like smoke detectors, either they, are they like hazardous or will they be radioactive?
2: Uh, I know some places they
1: won't take anything that's radioactive. Um, they're looked at in different ways. I've, there's different schools of thought on those. One of the things we encourage folks to do is send them back to the manufacturer. That's the easiest way to deal with so many things. If you can get that producer responsibility, get them to take those back. And in some cases, they'll even give you a an envelope or an address to send those back, but I always encourage you to contact the manufacturer of those before you do anything. Okay. And a lot of times they'll give you disposal guidance uh, depending on, you know, what's in them and how much. All
0: right. All right, All right Chad. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thanks a lot for the call. We have about uh, five or six minutes to go in the program, so you can still slip in a call eight five five zero eight one one or eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. Or the email is noon at edu, and we have this email that says, I've lived in several towns in Indiana and also in another state, and the recycling center in Bloomington is the best I have seen. My question is about plastic grocery bags. I read in the HT this week that, the, that only a very small percentage of these bags are recycled. Um, he thinks uh, it was like point – I do recycle mine, but I would be better off with reusable canvas bags. Are plastic bags one of the items that generate any revenue for your facility?
1: They are certainly not going to pad my retirement, if that's what you're asking. (laughs) Uh, We certainly encourage the use of reusable canvas bags. That is certainly a much better uh, environmental situation than using the use of, of plastic bags. So Anytime you have the ability to use a canvas bag, we certainly encourage that. However, we do accept the plastic bags and we send those to Hoosier Disposal where they are in fact recycled.
0: All right. We have a question from Mike, which I'll just relate, and that is where do you take old tires?
1: Uh, the Solid Waste District does not take tires. However, we do refer all those customers down to the Hoosier Transfer, Hoosier Disposal Transfer for station. Mm-hmm. Down on uh, South Indiana Thirty Seven, mm-hmm.
0: so they'll take them. You just there is a fee for those,
1: but they will take those. Yes.
0: Okay, and we're going to go back to the phone. We have Carol waiting. Carol,
2: hi. Uh, you may have already covered this. I came in late, but uh, have you talked about recycling computers and how we, if we can do that through Monroe County?
1: Yes, we have talked about that, and you certainly can utilize our hazardous materials facility. We do have an electronics recycling program, which includes all the various components for computers. There is a fee to recycle those, but rest assured, your fee is covering the actual recycling of those materials. Uh, The reason we have to charge a fee for those is we simply do not have enough money to cover the entire cost of all of the recycling of electronics.
2: Okay. Great. Thank All you very much. All
0: right. Thanks a lot, Carol. Thank you. Before we go to our next call, um, you report to a board of directors, correct? Correct. All right. So if people have policy issues about what you're going to take and what you're not going to take, they need to really address the board.
1: That is correct. Okay. Who's yes.
0: A, who's the president of the board at this point? Uh,
1: the, the 2008 president of the board is County Councilman Warren Hinegar.
0: Okay. All right. We have a couple more phone calls we're going to try to get in. George is next. George?
3: All right. Uh, here's just a thought for the gentleman with the uh, 12 bags of newspapers. Uh, I I didn't do it because it was wet or dry. I just figured the guys hoisting them up and tossing them in the truck would appreciate dry newspaper. So I took an old shower curtain, and I got it right with my recycling stuff, and it looks like it's going to rain. Uh, it sits on top of the boxes with a, a brick to hold it down.
0: All right, George. Thanks. We can always always count on george walker to to come in that was we, we you know we, can, we can't hide george's voice all right and we have a couple of other callers i know we have ann i'm not sure if ann is next in line so, yeah we'll go with ann ann go ahead
2: okay um my question is about newspapers again but um i'm an avid gardener and i like to use newspaper as mulch um but i found that it's it's difficult to spread out and separate and everything I wonder if there's any chance um, that you might consider shredding newspaper and then you could sell the bags of shredded paper for people to use as mulch because that's very easy to set around plants.
1: It's not something that we have thought of recently. Um, One of the problems that we run into with the Solid Waste District is we have such a limited building space. We're looking at how we'd have to add a shredder. Uh Uh-huh and things like that. So that would be a little bit of a problem for us on a space situation. However, my initial thought was that might be a great project for someone like Middleway House Yeah. Uh, through some of their uh, shredding operations, plus it could be revenue for them. So, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, you might give them a call and see if that would be something they would be interested in because that would be a win-win for everybody. Yeah, okay.
0: they already have their confidential document destruction. Absolutely. Yeah, so they uh-huh. have a shredder.
1: Okay, well, yep. thank you. Thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, and we have Mary. Mary, go ahead.
2: Yes, um regarding those prescription bottles, those wonderful pill bottles, there yes. most of them are marked 5 okay on the bottoms. So when they're empty, I guess you guys will take them, is that right?
1: The Solid Waste District would only take plastics one and two. Okay. Uh, the City of Bloomington takes plastics one through seven.
2: Okay. So the city would take it. Yes. Yeah. And throw them in with the rest. And uh, regarding that shredding of paper from Middleway House, I know if you have an enormous amount of paper, they'll come to your house to shred it. So, um, and it's, I, I think if someone had had saved an enormous amount of newspaper, they would come right to the house and do it.
1: Hmm. It would certainly be worth giving them a call on. Right. That's for sure. Yep. Right.
0: All right, Mary. Thanks a lot for the information. Welcome. Bye. All right. Thanks. And we have David. David. Hello. Hello, David. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, I wanted to know if uh, you were re- uh, considering having more than the uh, uh, the current uh, uh, one one day large drop off days because obviously it seems like a lot of people have a lot of materials that simply uh, they can't uh, get rid of more than more than uh, one or two times a year.
1: Based on our resources, that's about all we're able to do at this point. Plus, the other component of that is to find the suitable locations to hold those events and coordinating all those efforts with a disposal contractor. Uh, the disposal contractors have to reallocate a lot of their their uh, people and their trucks and their disposal boxes to accommodate these events. So there's a lot more things that go into it than j- just the Solid Waste District's uh, contribution to those events. We, we are looking at uh, the, the fall event and trying to evaluate that and come up with the best possible situation for the fall. So uh, I'm not quite sure what that's going to look like yet, but we are always evaluating those programs.
3: It's obviously a very popular event, so I hope you can find a way to do that.
1: I will say, sir, that we had 779 cars last weekend utilize the event that you're referring to.
0: Right. 779. <laughs> wow.
1: 779.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, David. Thank you. Thanks Thank a lot you. for the call. There's obviously a lot of interest in Bloomington and Monroe County about recycling. Is there any one thing that you would tell people or encourage people uh, who use your center, people either who do things that maybe are a little uh, incorrect or things that um, they could be doing more?
1: Overall, I think the folks do a wonderful uh, job. The one thing I would just ask is be patient. There's so many people trying to utilize the same facility, particularly on Saturdays, is just exercise a little bit of patience, realizing that the environmental consciousness is very great in Monroe County. So be patient. But continue the good work because we're very proud of what the residents of Monroe County do uh, to make the entire program an overwhelming success.
0: All right. I want to thank uh, Scott Morgan for being here. Scott, I think we had 16 calls today. That's pretty that – maybe close to a record. Um, I want to thank Scott for talking about solid waste uh, issues and recycling issues. For uh, Mary Catherine, who's not here, for producer Adam Ragusia and engineer Mike Paschkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening.